0: Hola, hola. Jenna and I are really glad to be back uh, here with you all. We enjoyed our week of being on vacation. I hate that while I was gone you chased off Todd Miller. And I found out this morning when I tried to print my sermon notes that they also changed the Wi-Fi password on me while I was gone. So nothing says welcome home like... You can't print your sermon today. Uh, we got it taken care of. Uh, but I was in a little bit of a, <clears throat> a frantic mess in first service. It's nice to be with you. Today we're going to finish the book of Philippians. We're going to finish uh, this text. And I am going to preach from Philippians once more this fall. It probably won't be right away. It'll be in a few weeks. But there's a story in here that we haven't really had a chance to tell yet. And I'll let you guess about what story it might be, but we're going to tell it as well as we can a couple weeks from now. But today we finished the book, so join me in Philippians 4, verse 10, and let's work through what Paul has to say about the gift that the Philippians had sent him. He says some kind of surprising things. and In just a few minutes, as I work through this sermon, we're going to talk about these three points today. Uh, Paul is going to talk about how there is a presence... That is a person who is near that is more important than the gifts or the presents that the Philippians had sent. Presence greater than presence. Uh, Paul is going to talk about the partnership he has with the Philippians and how important it is to him. And then finally, he's going to leave them with a parting blessing. And right between those two parts there, the parts two and three, I'm going to have a chance to bring my friend Chad Graham up. And we're going to talk a little bit about our small group ministry here at the Bentonville Church of Christ. And at first service, I told them it would be two-thirds of the way through the sermon, but I took too long, and it was just at the end of the sermon, so they didn't even get point three. So, blessed are you who are here in second service. Can you pray with me? And then we'll begin. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us and always being near to us. Would you so fill us with your spirit that we would have the comfort of your constant presence with us, and experience the joy and peace that comes from knowing you so that out of us can flow love and peace to others in our homes, our places of work, our schools, and the places where we go to shop and to play. God, would you make the people of your church throughout northwest Arkansas radiant with Christ? Would you help us, no no matter our circumstances, high or low, uh, no matter our, our bellies, full or empty, no matter our situation, pleasing to us or displeasing to us, to be an opportunity and a moment for Jesus to shine through. Only you can do this, so we ask for your help. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, and together all who agree say, amen. Okay, and so when I was in high school, we were at a potluck one Sunday, and I love to tell potluck stories because they're some of my favorite events and it was a really good potluck did i get an amen i think i think i did yeah and it was a a wonderful potluck small church that i grew up in in pennsylvania one thing we did well was eat well and we were at the home of a couple who was celebrating an anniversary And I can't remember what number it was, but it was pretty high, 40, 50 something up in, you know, impressive range of anniversary. And the whole church had come together to have the meal and celebrate. There was gifts and flowers and balloons and ponies. And I lied about the ponies, but you get the point. And so the wife stands up to give a word of thanks to the crowd. And she goes on at some length how wonderful it was that everyone loved them and showed up and spent time with them and brought so many gifts and flowers. And then she concluded her beautiful speech with a line very similar to this, but all we really wanted was your presence, at which there was a slight gasp. And everyone kind of looked at each other, and then one man began to chuckle. And she looked puzzled at her husband and he leaned over and whispered something in her ear. And she goes, and all we really wanted was for you to be here with us. <laughs> um, uh, we, uh, we reminded her lovingly in the Lord about that moment for years. All we really wanted was your presence. Uh, Paul's in a similar situation here where he's received a generous gift from the philippians they've remembered him and he wants to thank them but he's going to do it in a most awkward way so let's see what he has to say Uh, he, he writes this to them i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me you were indeed concerned for me but you had no opportunity now if you're taking notes in your notebook i hope you'll mark these words that i've highlighted in yellow they're both important to us because we've been following them tracking them through the book of Philippians. The first one, rejoiced, comes from our word group of joy, kara and charis, which means grace, uh, and cairo, which means rejoiced. And this is the word cairo. So here we have uh, this word Paul has come back to over and over in this book about joy, and he marries it together in this verse with the second word group that we've been following, the one that has to do with our mindset. So throughout the book, we have seen him refer to the state of our minds. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. I plead with you, Odia and Syntyche, to be of the same mind. And so on, he, he's done this. But it hasn't been since chapter 2, verse 2, that he put both words in the same verse. There's only twice in the whole book where these two themes, the threads, cross. Okay, there's a little bit of, uh, of the weave that you see. And so in chapter 2, verse 2, he used both word groups. He had said, complete my joy, there's the first word group, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And this is right before he gives them the song about Jesus, the Christ hymn uh, about Jesus leaving heaven and not holding on to being in nature God, but emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, being obedient to death on the cross, being exalted to the highest place, given the highest name, right before that pinnacle moment in the book paul had had brought the two themes together now he brings them together again because this is another mountaintop moment of the book but it might just get lost in the reading as okay paul's thankful to them and he's a little awkward about it actually for paul this is a highlight what he is going to do is purposefully Make this reception of the gift a little bit awkward. By first century standards, it's a little bit awkward. By our standards today, it's a little bit awkward. Because what you're going to see in the words that follow is essentially that Paul says, thank you, but. And nobody really feels thanked when thank you ends with but. Ever been in a situation where somebody told you thank you but I know a story of a young man I'm not saying that it was me and many years ago one time said to a young lady those three words I love you and heard thank you but now again this friend <laughs> I'm so glad you all love me <clears throat> When you hear the words, thank you, but, it gets awkward. It means the other person doesn't feel the same way. It means I appreciate what you're trying to do, but it's not really what I'm looking for. Some of you have experienced this. You've laid your heart on the line, you've offered yourself to somebody like this, and they've turned you down. Uh, Others of you have experienced it in other places in life. Maybe as a grandparent, you have saved some gift that was meaningful to you for your grandchildren. You took care of it over many years. It's a family heirloom. It's meant a lot to you. And and you present the gift and you get thank you, which essentially means but I'm more interested in my screen than your gift. I don't understand, you know, what it means to you, what you think it should mean to me. Thank you, but is an awkward moment. But Paul is going to do just this. He's going to say, thank you, but because he wants the Philippians' relationship with him to rest on something greater than just the gift of money that they sent. Let's look at how he does it. He says in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Well, he was in great need. He was in prison without resource for his food. They knew he was in need. That's why they reached deep into their pockets and sent to him. Why would Paul respond this way to them? Not that I'm saying I was really in need, right? Hold you out at arm's length. Well, this is his reasoning. Paul wants to share with them the secret of the presence of Jesus that means more to him than any gift and so he tells them exactly this i've learned in whatever situation i am to be content don't you and i wish that we could learn that truly from the heart and not just learn the verses about it but actually experience real contentment in any situation don't you want that i desperately want that by the grace of god i'm growing in that I think you are too. But this is something Paul's going to offer a clue about because he knows that we need it more than we need whatever else we think we need whenever we're in need. So Paul does this thing, not that I'm speaking about need, I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound uh, in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. This is what Paul is doing. He's creating physical dimensions in the mind of the reader and the listener. As low as you could get in life, the pit of the prison that he's in, as high on an emotional high and all your dreams fulfilled as you could ever be. As full with rich food as you could ever be, as hungry, as so hungry that you would gladly uh, even eat some little gross, slimy bugs and just say, Ah, matata. <laughs> in any situation, high, low, wide, any space you could be in, he says, This is the secret to contentment. And then he gives what's probably the second most famous or third most famous verse in the Bible. He says, I can do all these things through him who strengthens me. And your text, your Bible actually says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When people think of the most famous verses of the Bible, they probably think of John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world. Everybody, can you do it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Yeah, good, you guys know it. And you see it scrawled on helmets and shoes and you know, sneakers on the NBA court, and you see it on the eye black of athletes on the field. But after that one, you see this one. There's even been an NBA player who famously had shoes made that he's worn in championship games that have this verse sewn right into the shoes. And I don't want to belittle that. That's a great thing. To have any scripture on national television and shown and promoted and talked about is a wonderful thing. But I wonder if sometimes we misunderstand Paul just a little bit in what he's actually saying here. Because when he says I can do all things through him who strengthens me, he most notably was still in prison. Which means that what Paul meant here wasn't that because Jesus strengthens me, I get what I want. It doesn't mean I always win every championship. It doesn't mean I can always do amazing feats of strength I couldn't do before. The person who puts this verse on their shoe and understands it knows that whether in the high of winning the championship or in the low of blowing out their ACL in the middle of the championship and losing, that this verse is still true, that Jesus' presence is still real, that their contentment hasn't been tarnished. is the person who understands what Paul meant here. And so when Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, the text very clearly means he's referring to the things in the context in which he is talking about. I can do highs and lows and hungers and abundances and needs because Jesus strengthens me. And I want to remind you of a verse that Todd had given to you last week, which is Paul's reason for this. Philippians 4 verse 5 and 6, just a few verses before this, he had said these words, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. For Paul, this is the secret of contentment, remembering that God is near. I thought it would be helpful for you to go ahead and learn this little phrase, the Lord is at hand, uh, in Greek. Even though you don't speak Greek, except for Gary now speaks Greek, a little bit of Greek, because we did this before the service started. So do you want to learn this with me? Okay, and then I'll tell you why you're doing it. So the first word in in the Greek is just the word the, and it sounds like this, ha. It sounds like our word for when you laugh, right? So everybody say ha. Everybody say ha. Ha. Everybody say say, ha-ha. See, that's the most you've laughed at me all morning. (laughs) Ha. The second word in the Greek is Lord. It's kurios. And it kind of sounds like our English word curious, but it's a little different. So say kurios. 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 Say it again, kurios. Ha? Kurios. Ha? Kurios. Okay, good. The last word is this. There's just three words in the Greek phrase. Engus. I have no idea what it sounds like in English, except for it kind of sounds like you're blending the words and goose together. Drop out the D. Everybody say, engus. Engus. All right, let's put it all together. You're very smart people. You can do this all in one phrase. Ready? Ha kurios engus. Ha kurios engus. Well done. Now, why? Because in the Greek, when Paul writes it, it sounds like a mantra. It sounds like a little poetic, memorized statement. And in the English, it almost always comes out as three word, or four words or five words long, like, like the Lord is near, or the Lord is coming soon, or the Lord is at hand. But for Paul, he probably said many times under his breath, Goose, sengus, hakuria Goose. which would maybe the simplest way you could get the impression of it in, in English would be just to do this, like, Jesus here he's here he's here he is near he is never far he is always here saying it over and over as if it was a a memory tool a little mantra to say i'm hungry but he's here i'm thirsty but he's here this jail cell smells awful but he's here and he was born in a manger And he was thirsty on the cross. And he was hungry in the desert. And he's here. And so Paul would say, hakurios engus is my secret to contentment. This is what it means that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, having said all of that, Paul would want to make this useful for the Philippians and for the Bentonvillians. He would want to make it so that instead of just learning a few words, you could experience in your life, in your body and your relationships, what it's like to grow in contentment so that the Lord is near really plays out in between you and some other people. So that between Ted and Josh, the Lord is near makes a difference in our life. It's like whenever Paul was preaching in Athens at the Areopagus and he says to those Gentiles who didn't even know about the Jewish God. He said their own prophets had insight into this because God had placed people in every time and nation in history so that maybe they would seek him and find him if they would look for him because he's always near. And then he quotes their own poets and says, as your own poets have said, in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. Paul is saying, "Hacurias engus. He is here, he's all around. He's never far, he's always near. It's like the psalmist in Psalm 139 who wrote, where should I flee from your presence? If I go up to the highest of the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the pit of Sheol, the lowest, farthest place he could imagine. There your spirit will find me. It's what Jacob discovered when he was on his long journey and he slept on the rock overnight and he had the vision, the dream of the angels ascending and descending from heaven on the ladder and he woke up and it was as if somebody had taken the veil off his eyes and he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I was unaware of it. Hakurios Engos. And so, Paul will say to the Philippians, it is nice that you sent me a gift, but it's our partnership that matters. Here's how he says it. He says, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Mark the word share in your Bible or your notes. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Mark that word as well, share and partnership. These are a very important word for Paul. The word koinonia, which means what we have in common. It's where we actually get the word communion. And so Paul is saying to the Philippians, you and I are in communion with each other. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. They became his sponsored church. And he he took their money gladly because, not because of the money, but because of the relationship. And he wouldn't take the money from the Corinthians when he was in Corinth, but he'd take it from the Philippians when he was in Corinth because he couldn't trust the relationship with the Corinthians, but he could trust the Philippians because they were in partnership together. And what we might have missed as we were going through this little book is that Paul has used the word koinonia six times. But it has been in in a fascinatingly escalating way that you miss if you just read through the book and you don't see how they relate. Uh, Can you just put it on the slide where it says koinonia? I lost it somehow, thank you. And so these are the six times. In chapter one, he had said we have partnership in the gospel. Well, everybody wants this. Everybody wants the benefits of the gospel to be found in Jesus and have redemption and the forgiveness of sins and the hope of a resurrection. Who are partakers, he said in verse seven, of grace. And they want this too. I want God to understand when I fail and have a little bit of room for me. We're in participation in the Spirit, and everybody wants this too. The Spirit to empower me and flow through me and to be in me and to guide me. But then Paul starts doing something very sneaky and difficult round about chapter 3. He uses the same word, but he says, we share together in his sufferings. And this is that famous little place where he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising to share in his suffering conformed his death. He said, I want communion with Jesus. And in verse uh, 414 that we just read from, he says, you have shared, been partners in my trouble. And then he says, and, and we have partnership with me in giving and receiving. And so what Paul has done with this word subtly through the book is he has taken their expectation from thinking that partnership means getting all the glory and all the good stuff out of Jesus and the gospel and leading them through the song about Jesus and his suffering so that they see that real communion comes from sharing in the highs and the lows together. And that's greater than any monetary gift that they could give. In fact, it's the only reason he can accept the gift. So that's why he says, not that I seek the gift. This is the whole, yeah, thank you, but part. Not that I seek your gift. But he's going to say three things about them. Three things about you Philippians. I think he'd write to us today too. So bullet point three things and put these down. He says, I don't want your stuff. I'm not after your money. What I want is you to have credit. And what he means by this is for you to be growing in your formation to Jesus and for God to see it. To see that you're willing to be partners, not just in the good times, but the bad times, and for God to give you credit for that. He says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And then he does this. What you've done is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He uses Old Testament words, from the sacrificial system to say you have worshipped. So he goes look I I don't want your stuff I want you to have credit in front of God I want you to be worshipping God and then verse 19 and my God will supply every need of yours and I want him to be the source of meeting your need. Because if you think that our relationship is just, I got your stuff, and then someday, you know, maybe I'll need to come through and pay for your stuff, and then what if I don't? Our relationship's broken. But this ministry of giving and receiving that we're sharing in together, the root and foundation of it is the presence of God. The God that we worship. The God who credits us. The God who meets our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus and then Paul erupts in praise. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And this is about as close in the first century way in Paul's way of saying, look, when you boil down all of the stuff we do in worship, all the ministries, and the way we care for people, and the way that we care for each other, and all the hospital visits we do, and the meal trains, and everything we do, what it really comes down to is this. Is there a participation in a communion between you and me? And is it based on Jesus always being present? Ha, curios engus. And we may do this a little bit of a different way in 2019 uh, than they did in the first century, but we come up with our ways. And this is why we're gonna talk about small groups for the next few minutes. So, uh, Chad, will you come on up? And uh, can we borrow that microphone, Ted? Sure. Thanks. It's Thank you very much. Uh, we have a special season on us right now. Have a seat there, my friend. And you can see on these banners behind me that our church is going to have a kickoff event on Sunday the 15th right here on Sunday night, Uh, and it's for the whole church. It's for everybody who's already in a group and people that are looking for groups, and we're going to start in here with some worship that night and then move across the street to eat because it's going to be kind of like a potluck because that's where all good stories start and on the front of the bulletin you can see information about what you can bring if you're coming that night. And so we're going to do this as a way of launching into this season together and being intentional about our koinonia and about the Lord's presence. And the reason that Chad is here, everybody say hi to Chad. Hi. Chad, Hello. say hi to everybody. Hello. Thank yes. you. Let's see. Is it on? Are we on? Okay. Okay. Uh the reason that Chad is here um is he has a few good things to say about small groups and he is serving with me this year and 11 other people on a group that we started to help the infrastructure of our small groups. We've got some people that are helping coach leaders. We've got some people like Miss Julie Knight who's uh, launching this event for us. And Chad is helping with assimilation, which is a word we both had to go look up uh, once we decided that was his title. And it just basically means help you find a group. So that's what Chad is doing and he has a a nice table set up in the back where for the next few Sundays he'll be meeting with people and helping you find groups so I want to ask you a couple questions and we kind of plan these out so he's not completely caught off guard but um, the first one is this how have small groups affected your spiritual walk and what kind of growth have you experienced because of them
1: yeah, absolutely. So I remember the first time Jordan and myself moved here to Bentonville, uh, we were looking for a way to really get plugged into church. Um, and sometimes it's, it's not as easy as that sounds, right? We wanted to find a way to connect with everyone. We wanted to find a way to feel a part of the church body. And so what we noticed and what we found out was coming Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, although it was, it was good, it was a good experience for us, it wasn't necessarily enough time to really get to know everyone here in this church, right? The the five to ten minutes between class, after church, everything else, we weren't able to really connect and really grab root. And so I remember Darren Brazil and Brian Enlows welcomed our family into their life group. And so what that that really taught us is it really provided us opportunities to get to know uh, members, specific members of this church. And two, it helped us provide some opportunities to actually serve in the church. And I feel like all of us really have that want and desire to really get further plugged in. And so this was something, an avenue that really helped us. Um, and it, it takes work on both sides too, right? Like it's something that it may sound great, but at the same time, it still takes some effort, right? To, to really stay consistent. And so just want you to picture like in February, right? Like it's like 40 degrees outside. It's really cold. You're under like a, a warm blanket Sunday afternoon. And this is going to happen. I promise. And, um, it sounds great. So and to, right? It's, yeah. you're, com- you're cozy. You're comfy under a blanket. Um, and to top it all off, your kids are crying um, and say, like, you know, a kid's in the corner eating Play-Doh and, like, shoving toys up his nose, right? <laughs> um, and you're like, you know, I just can't do it tonight. But pushing through and being present there in the small group is so important. And so that's kind of how you create this consistency and create these habits. Uh,
0: you've got a killer story about how being in a small group impacted you guys at home. Why don't you just go ahead and tell them about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we were, the group we were a part of, we were tremendously brought, blessed to be a part of this group. And um, it, was during a, it was during the middle of the week. So it was uh, like, a I think it was a Thursday night, I believe. And emergency happened within our family where Jordan and I had to go to the emergency room around midnight. Um, so you think about it, we don't have family in the area. We don't have siblings or parents or anything else. Um, So, like, who do you call? We have two kids sleeping. We have a one-year-old and a three-year-old asleep. Like, I'm not going to wake them up and take them into an emergency room, right? That's not typically something you want to do. But we felt, you know, not imposing on anyone. That was the great feeling about it. We called up Colby Roberts on Barrissom. He's here. Wave, Colby. There he is over there. Uh, We called him up, and he was super happy to come help us out. So he sat with our kids from, like, Midnight to 4 a.m. And that meant so much to our family. And that's what these small groups can be. You, you, you want to help out each other um, and that you're not feeling imposing on someone. It was like, who do you call at that time of night that you're not going to feel just super bad, you know, calling them up? Um, I haven't tried call, calling Colby uh, at night again, but hopefully he'll answer my phone, right? <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, that, that, meant a, that meant a ton to our family and was just super helpful during that time.
0: Good. Uh, yeah, he's he's not ghosting you. He's still <laughs> there for you, man. Um, okay, we you know as we're kind of wrapping this up, um, what is it that you're doing? How can you help people find groups and join a group over the next few weeks?
1: Yeah, so like Josh mentioned, there is a. Nicely decorated table. Uh, Julie Knight helped decorate. And so we're going to have this set up before and after church and in between classes and everything else. Don't worry if you don't find me today. It's okay. We're still going to have time. We're going to have a couple Sundays to figure this out. And even after the, the launch of September 15th, it's not too late. And so like these small groups sound great. and But again, sometimes it's hard to kind of get plugged into one. And so instead of just like sitting back and waiting for someone to ask you to be in your small group, come see me and we'll find out a few things about you to figure out what your interests are. And I really want to help you find the right group for you. And so that we can work with these coaches and say, you know, this family is looking for someone similar age with kids our same age, or maybe you're looking for someone in in different age groups. And that's something we can help with. And so we'll be in contact regularly to say, hey, I found this group. Does this sound like a good fit? Um, And then we can move on from there. So yeah, come and find us um, and we'll
0: try to help you out I really appreciate what you're doing and you taking a few minutes up here today Now i'm gonna end this the same way I did in first service because we got a little bit of a late start again I just I I talked too much I think today Uh, so we're about it's about time for us to finish and um, uh, In a moment, we're gonna sing our invitation song and allow you to worship and for god to uh, Put on your heart whatever he may be calling you to do today but We want to leave you again with this thought, this opportunity, what we're talking about here with the small groups and the reason that it's real life on the ground, nitty gritty relationship kind of koinonia is because the highs and the lows of life get all of us and can really get us off track. Our minds easily lose the place where we think about the Lord is near. Ha, huh? curios engos quickly becomes uh, all I can think about is my pains and my problems, and I can't even think about the last time I thought about God. And being with other Christian men and women helps in keeping the presence of God near, the koinonia fresh, helping the relationships be the thing and not just the moments of God's gifts, you know, to us. And so he's he's inviting you into this. Church is not just a place about a complex system of worship and rules. It's a place where God is near, and this is what he's always offering. So let's stand together this morning, and if you'd like to pray with us, come forward or to the back and pray, and let's sing.